to the Pitched Industries podcast. Hey guys, what's going on? And welcome back to another episode of the Pitched Industries podcast. My name's Nick White, and for those of you who might be new to this podcast, this is where I sit down and have conversations with some of today's most successful creatives and ask them about how they have gotten to where they are today, things they've learned from their journey so far, advice they would give aspiring creatives and students now, as well as a heap of other stuff. But before I jump into talking about today's episode, I'd just like to let you all know that the 2019 Pitched Industries Photo Comp is now live. So head over to pitchedindustries.com forward slash photo comp to enter. It's completely free and you guys can enter as many times as you like. There's prizes and a whole heap more information that you can find over on the website. So check that out for sure. Anyway, today I'm stoked to be sharing a conversation I had with Emma Regalini, who is a very talented digital artist from Perth in Western Australia. You may or may not have seen her work on her Instagram handle at the line underscore, but her work is very unique, simplistic, and at the moment, very, very popular. Because of her unique style, she's had the opportunity to work with brands like Gritty Pretty, Bauer Swimwear, The Upside, and so, so many more. On this episode, Emma discusses how the creative series The Line came about, pitching your work to potential clients and brands, social media algorithms, advice for artists starting out today, and so much other stuff. So without me talking any longer, let's get straight into this chat with Emma Regalini. Emma, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so stoked to have you on today and have the opportunity to to ask you some questions that I'm really interested in. But I'd like to kind of start with a few short and sharp questions to sort of let the audience better get to know you personally. Is that all good? That is fine. Sweet. So where do you call home? Currently, it's Perth, but in a few weeks, in early May, I'm hoping to move to London. Whose work do you admire the most currently? Uh, right now, I'm I'm really, I I'm, have always been obsessed with Margaret Zhang because she's a bit of a polymath. Yeah. She's into photography. She can literally draw anything, and she's into short films. But um, because she's abroad so much, I guess locally more, I'm obsessed with Jess James. All oh, of her awesome. work is so beautiful. Yeah. She's, She's just such a young gun and there's always just really nice vulnerability to the photos. So it's it's just her work is just beautiful. Yeah, that's so cool that you mentioned Jess James because I, I know her personally. I haven't seen her in the last oh, few years because she's moved amazing. over to Sydney. But yeah. yeah, her work's incredible. So Jess, if you're listening to this, I'm going to have to get you on the show at some stage, I think. So yeah. 100%. <laughs> um, so what's a quote that you are in love with? What's your favorite quote? Um, I think not because he's just passed away, but Karl Lagerfeld's quote, um, there's no secret to life, the only secret is work, I've really thought about in the last few years, mainly yeah. because um, not like work is life all the time, but I think you do have to work at a lot of different things. You have to work at your job and you're on yourself and all that stuff. So I think, um, you know, like we always just have to work on that, those sort of things, even like our relationships with other people and professionally and personally. What's your favourite thing to do in your own time? I really do like to sit down and read when I can, but I also have quite a short attention span. So I do like, you know, getting in some long runs along the coast in the morning or in the Arvo. Yeah. So what, do you listen to audio books or are you more of a sit down reader? Um, I'm more of a sit down reader, but when I run, I do really get around like long form podcasts. So yeah, it's quite on brand for this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
what's a book that you would recommend to our audience? I would recommend, and I read it about three times a year, <laughs> Tuesdays with Mori by Mitch Albom. Yes. Um, it's such a timely book. Every single year, there's so many life lessons in it. And I think whenever I read it, it really just makes me sit down and just step back and really just look at life and what's important, what isn't. So, yes. Oh, no, that's awesome. I've heard of that book um, in the past and I've really been meaning to get onto it. So I I definitely will be um, buying that on Audible or something soon, I think. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And the last one, if you could drink a beer and have a conversation with anyone in the entire world, past or present, who would that person be and what would you be drinking? Uh, well, because I don't drink beer, I would mm-hmm. be drinking a gin and tonic nice. with probably Ruva Boonema, who is currently the Revlon creative director. Yep. She's been a creative director for a lot of different brands, but she's really just a prolific graphic designer. And on her Instagram, on her socials, which is just Ruba, I'm pretty sure, yep. um, she just shares so much information does a lot of q a's which is just really interesting and so many people reach out to her and send through their portfolios and she really just does engage with people and um just post so much informative and educational imagery and yeah work so definitely ruba that's awesome what would you want to ask her (laughs) i would definitely ask maybe what she would tell her younger self yeah, no, they're, all, they're always like great to, to ask someone, who, especially who's been around for so long and, and been doing such amazing work, hey? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, hey, that's cool. So now that that's done and dusted, I'd sort of like to start from the beginning. So can you tell us all a little bit about yourself and where your journey as a digital artist really started? Yeah, sure. So I'm 22 and I just graduated from my honours year at Curtin. I did my undergrad in marketing and advertising and then my honours focused more on luxury marketing and the retail environment. Um, but really, I got quite bored in my undergrad. I just found it a little bit outdated, the um, assignments and projects we had to do with marketing. And I was always interested in seeing how brands were engaging with younger consumers online yep. because we weren't really learning about it. So. Yeah. I thought I'd start this project as a bit of a side project, more of a case study, um, just to sort of like gather analytics really on engagement, that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's really where it started. But really, I was, I did have a background in academic research. And when you're doing academic research and case studies and going to conferences nationally, internationally, there's just no creativity in that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're really looking at just numbers and data and really theoretical stuff. And I was just, I just had no creative outlet. It was just so pragmatic. So yeah, I just really had to channel this, I guess, this strange form of digital creativity into something. So that's why I started this. Yeah. And and this is the line on Instagram, correct? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. No, I think it's I think it's awesome. And I'm I'm very interested to ask. Obviously you're a very talented digital artist. So Thank how you. what really interested you in the beginning to get stuck into marketing and advertising at uni? Ever since high school I was very stuck in those business subjects. I did business management, accounting, that sort of thing. Um and I always knew I would go down the commerce route and then I really I just did a double major because I just thought it'd be better than doing a single major, but I really loved marketing because it was, I guess, the most creative commerce 
subject. Yeah. And I personally really excelled in that sort of thing. A lot of rebranding, a lot of design work that we had to do for projects, I ended up doing really well in because I could draw and I could sort of execute those sort of ideas. So, yeah, I really just kind of wanted to merge that and strategy into something new. So I think that's kind of how the line came about. Yeah. So you've always been doing art on the side as a hobby and you've sort of just been able to integrate them together? Yeah. I used to be a bit of a full-time swimmer and when I was swimming in full-time uni and working a million jobs, I had no creative outlet and I think, you know, you kind of finally burst at some point and you're like, I'm going to find a way to channel this, otherwise I'm <laughs> going to go crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I finally found a way and it's just crazy. I just didn't think it would get the traction that it did, but yes, that's that. <laughs> oh, no, cool, cool. So uh, you also said before that you found your university degree to, to be quite stock standard. Why is yeah. this? Um, I think because a lot of the curriculum nowadays, there's just so much red tape and making any changes uh, just moves so slowly and it's not to blame the unit coordinators and that sort of thing, particularly in mm. Australia. I just think because culture is moving so fast and there's all this guerrilla marketing and there's so many different tactics which pop up or disappear so fast now, yeah. um, it's just really tough for universities to keep up and, and always integrate this new stuff into the curriculum because, you know, these things can just pop up like within a year, within a month, and it's just really hard for them to, I think, try and immerse that into the learning for the students. So I just it's really tough now. I think there's a lot of work for universities to do to keep it a lot more contemporary, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's definitely I it's, it's I, I, even me myself with my own studies with marketing and yeah. advertising online. It really does feel like the whole strategies and things are just seem to be changing each yeah. month. You know? Yeah. Even providing examples I found at uni, we were just going back to the same examples like Coca-Cola share a bottle, which I know a lot of students would mm. understand where I'm coming from, yeah. but just a lot of you start to look at the same campaigns and, yeah, it's it's sometimes really hard to look at or even to just to bring about discussion about newer campaigns because I think there is so much red tape and people get really scared about talking about this new marketing stuff. So especially on social media because there's stigmas around all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What mm. really inspired you to start your creative project, The Line? Um, I think because I was so uninspired, I thought, if I start a side project, it's going to be creative, but I also want there to be a bit of a purpose behind it. So I turned it into more of a case study, which I promised myself I'd write, but I procrastinate so much that I still haven't written it. <laughs> I think that's um, pretty normal. Yeah. But yeah, so really just a case study. I really like to look at the analytics of how different posts go, how different styles go and feedback from different people. I get, uh, you know, a lot of DMs, as I'm sure a lot of creatives do, saying, you know, people saying how they like a different style, that sort of thing. But, yeah, it really just was a case study and um, it's kind of crazy. I ended up launching a few T-shirts, a few tote bags and even interiors now and it's just interesting to see people's consumption behaviour online, even on social media. It's quite different to an online website. Yeah, yeah, I've noticed that, that um, you've been doing quite of uh, a lot of interiors and like getting your work on walls, yeah. which looks incredible. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so after three years or whatever it's been of you yeah. testing with this Instagram account, what have you noticed about how people do engage with content online? Instagram algorithms now are so interesting and really complicated. So I find if I'm editing, if I'm drawing on top of 
high cloud images, so images that I guess contain celebrities or the initial photographer has a massive following, they're always going to do well. And I think that's just how clout works on Instagram. Um, But I really do love to work on more local photographers' work because it's just really nice to, you know, share that brand awareness with others. Yeah. Um, Especially because I have a bit of an audience in the UK and the US. I think it's always just so nice to share um, Australian creatives with people on the other side of the world. I think that's always really nice to share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the whole Instagram algorithm thing is just it, completely crazy. And same with Facebook. What are some mm. things that you've noticed? I mean, obviously, no one really does know how things work and everyone's guessing. But what have been some other things that you've found within the space that seem to be working? Um, I find that when I keep my style was rather consistent, the engagement's really consistent. Otherwise, if I do a bit of an abstract style that I guess my followers aren't used to or doesn't or like isn't congruent with what I usually do, they don't usually go as well. Yeah. Also, just of course, just time of day, you know, posting when I guess, you know, in the evening is best for me, particularly on like a Monday or a Wednesday or a Thursday, which is quite funny. Yeah. I think Fridays never do well because my theory is everyone's out and having a Everyone's having a nice on the Friday. beers, exactly. 100%. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I just I don't really bother with weekends because, you know, everyone's usually just relaxing or watching TV. So you really do have to play around with it, though. So it has changed a bit over the years as well, whereas weekends used to do really well and early in the morning used to do really well posting, but now it's just evenings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It it does seem to change so, so much. So have you ever actually experimented with boosting posts or doing advertising through various social channels? I haven't with boosting posts because personally when I see a boosted post, I get a little bit, um, I guess people just sort of lose a bit of, not always, but a lot of my friends and I, we kind of lose a bit of trust in brands that try to promote their posts because, yep. you know, you know that these posts are only popping up because people have, have paid the money. So I don't usually promote, but I guess if I was doing a bit of a, like a sale on something I was selling or something like that, then I would definitely consider boosting it. But yeah. So obviously you've started this Instagram account to really see how people will engage with various content online. Have there been any other spaces which you've been looking into to really promote your work and maybe generate more sales? Um, Not as such. I do just, so I have a Tumblr page where I just kind of relay all my work onto just in case people want to save high version copies. And then the Tumblr is linked with my Pinterest and it's quite odd because my Pinterest has maybe like 100 followers, but the monthly engagement is about 300,000 people. So, wow. I th- yeah, it gets There's like a lot quite of people a lot using it. it. Yeah, which is interesting because like I personally don't use it, but I just like to post my stuff on there just for the sake of it. Because um, a lot of people are into the whole mood board thing, which I completely understand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does get quite a couple hundred thousand impressions a month, which is pretty bizarre. But yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Maybe people should start trying to look into the Pinterest and Tumblr ways to get their stuff out. So there you go. Um, Yes. I'd like to ask now, can you talk to us a little bit about your creative process with your digital art? Yeah, well, because I, as I said earlier, I work the odd part-time job here and there. So with my creative process, I'd, you know, I'd love to say that I sit down and plan out all this stuff and 
have a sketchbook of different styles, but mm-hmm. I really just sit down in the evenings and clear my mind. If I'm in a rush or if I'm stressed, it just never turns out well. But yeah, I just clear my mind. I can usually do an edit in maybe five minutes to 30 minutes. They don't usually take too long. And then once I'm happy with it, I'll just go ahead and post it. I'm really impatient like that. I can't schedule posts or plan posts. I just like to do it really spontaneous. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I do it. Hey, well, there you go. Um, I think that's, I think in the past from talking with other guests, I feel like that's probably the best way to be rather than someone yeah. who really holds on to their work and is too scared to, to get it out there. So that's great. Yeah. Where do you draw your inspiration from? Do you, like you said before that you often don't use Pinterest and that to generate mood boards, but re- what really inspires you to create your work? I think a lot of other creatives that I follow on Instagram or followed them on Tumblr, mainly Instagram though, because it's just on our phones 24-7. Just I like to see different creatives work that I can work with, maybe the photos that models are posting or photographers or curation pages. There's so many great curation pages now. Um, mm. So there's so many good Instagram mood boards that people can follow. So yeah, I really just like save all this different content. And then some days if I'm just thinking about an image that I've saved, I'll go and open up and do an edit on top of it. So yeah, because I I cannot paint to save my life, I'm really <laughs> just drawn to like clean lines, yeah. clean drawing. So I do like to just stick to that that really simple stuff and yeah, that that's how I go about it. Yeah. But like I said before, I really do love how simple your work is and and really how clean it looks. And one thing which I'm quite interested to ask you is do you have any advice or knowledge that you might have got recently about the business side of digital art? Is there any certain advice that you could give our listeners about really getting their work out there and trying to get people to purchase it? Um, I think it's quite it's quite like a loaded question because it's just so hard now. There's so mm. many creatives online. And I mean, I know I started three years ago, which is still pretty recent, but I think you need to follow the right accounts. You need to follow the right people that you know and the right brands that you might be able to collaborate with. So I think people and brands that you align with, you have similar values and a similar aesthetic. I think following those brands and sort of building a bit of an online relationship, which can sound a bit, I guess, superficial, but, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's online now and so many collaborations and business partnerships come through these sort of social things, even just you know, sending a DM or commenting yeah. on their work, it's really, it really just does come down to that because it's so hard to tell someone to go to a website now and tell them to click on the link in your bio. It's so much easier if they can just see the work on an Instagram page. What is something that you feel has held you back in the past? I think because I said I came from such a commerce-driven background and I've always been really business-minded even since I was young, I knew I just would go down some form of commerce path and people asked me what I wanted to be when I was about 12 and I was just like, I'm going to be CEO, whether you like it or not. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the idea, sitting with the idea of, I guess, being thought of as a creative really was just really uncomfortable for me, especially Mm. when I was 20. Um, And I'm 22 now, which is really just two years later, but I think I've grown a lot, especially with this you know, different projects and working with different clients, you really, you really grow up quite fast and you Mm. learn how to be professional in this sort of creative field and how to fight for your work and how to fight for getting paid. And I really think, yeah, being creative, it just, I just thought 
this is so odd. I'm such an imposter, like quite imposter syndrome. And I just felt so uncomfortable because I didn't do a creative degree at uni. And I just self-taught myself Photoshop, which is what I drew all my drawing on. Yep. So, yeah, when I finally accepted that, okay, Emma, like you can be, you can be a bit creative and you can be a bit business minded. I think when I finally accepted that and was like, you know what, I am a creative, this is okay. (laughs) You know, there's nothing wrong with this and just really open myself up to that. A lot of different opportunities flowed in and my work was better. What is something that you wished you had known earlier? Because I'm such an impatient person. I I wish a few years ago when I started this that I knew to be more patient with myself. Mm-hmm. By that I mean, you know, there's going to be days when you really want to post something because you haven't posted in a week or so and you sit down and you want to draw something and you'll do as many different styles as you want or as many different edits and you just won't be happy with any of them. So I think it's okay to not feel creative or feel inspired I think you seem to be patient with the time and the place and it'll you'll come around and then you'll go through maybe a month of really incredible work and then maybe a few days of just not having anything in the, in the bank. So I think yeah. that's, you know, it's just healthy to be patient. Even if you're really run down, you can't just milk yourself that hard. Just be patient with yourself. Yeah. Do you often still go through stages of being uninspired or unsure with where you're heading with your work? 100%. Um, <laughs> I've had a bit of a creative block for the last few days and I just sit staring at my laptop and holding my, you know, my drawing pen that I draw my tablet with. And yeah. I think I just, I cannot get this and I don't know what is wrong with me, but, um, you know, I think just going for a walk, going for a run, you know, treating your body well, that sort of thing. I think yeah. a healthy mindset will always just bring that around and, and you're good to get back in, back into it. Yeah, absolutely. I would have been very, very impressed and surprised if you said, no, nah, I'm always inspired. <laughs> 100% no. I considered, um, I went through about a month of just not being able to do anything and I just almost deleted the whole account so many times. I was like, you know what? It's days done. It's over. But um, I just, I thought I'll just stick it out and I'll just see how it goes. So yeah, we're yeah, still here. I, I bet you're glad you did. <laughs> I'm very. <laughs> <laughs> the next thing, which I've I've actually been very interested in asking this with some of my past guests, and that is, mm-hmm. what's the biggest risk that you have taken, and how has it paid off for you? When I started this account in late 2016, and you know, early on, I started this account, and there were a few marketing or not marketing creative management agencies, and um people that sort of messaged me and reached out and they just pitched these incredible ideas to me with these contracts, you know, saying we'll get you so many clients and you won't be able to get so many clients by yourself. Mm. Um, And I was so close to signing the odd one or two. And then when I looked in the contract, you know, it said that I wouldn't have full contact with the clients. It'd be really stock standard work. And it just scared me. And I just thought, look, I can't sign these because if I sign these and I want to work on side projects, I won't be allowed. So yeah, I said no to quite a few and I still get a lot now, but I just kind of flick them into the junk email um, here and there. But yes, one agency in particular just gave me this full lecture. I mean, I was about 19, 20 at the time and they just said, you're not going to go anywhere if you don't take us on. You're never going to, you know, be able to secure big projects and yeah yeah so it really is pretty it's pretty heavy thing to say to a young artist 
Yeah, it was quite scary and I just thought, oh, I honestly just did this for a bit of fun and here we are and, you know, I'm in such a compromising position. You make me feel so uncomfortable. Yeah. But I had a really, I have, I still have a really incredible mentor and she really helped me through it. And Who's yeah. your mentor? My mentor is Brianna Lane. She is, she's a bit of a property mogul, I would say, but um, I got into boxing a lot, so I met her at boxing, and she's been she's been a mentor ever since. So, has really helped me out with these sort of you know predicaments, and yeah, just one of those mother figures in my life that is just so nice to have, especially in the in the business field. That's awesome. Yeah. So, so how are you actively going about finding clients if you don't have anyone representing you? I really, like I said earlier, I just follow different PR people, different journalists that are connected with brands, a lot of freelance writers, um, and then a lot of like smaller or larger brands that I think my style could work with. And I guess it sounds quite funny, but I don't have a massive following, but I honestly just send cold emails out to different clients, you know, proposing different ideas. And I said, look, this really look really great, I guess. For example, for a clothing brand, I would take a photo off their website on a model. I could always just Photoshop my design on it and say, you know, this looks really great. I'd be happy to do a collaboration if that's something you're interested in. This would look great if it was beaded or embroidered on, something like that. And then, yeah, the the odd client gets back to you and that's how things go. That's how I've done something recently with a footwear brand, which will be coming out, I think, mid-year which cool. is really exciting. But yeah. Um, yeah, I just honestly pitched ideas and said, you know, you can have this exclusive design license or that sort of thing. Or we just work out a way that I can work closely with the client and it be a successful collaboration. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely support you in the way of how active you are with just doing cold calls or cold um, yeah. emails to clients because it really does at times get overwhelming the amount of competition and other people there are yeah. out there. So I feel like you do sort of need to be quite active today and not passive. Yeah, for sure. I suppose this sort of relates with another question which I want to ask you, and that is how do you relate with the fear of failure? Has there been a time in your life where it has affected you? Yes and no. So I don't I wouldn't say I'm a big like pessimist sort of thing. Like I don't think about failure a lot, not to be arrogant, but I just, you know, I try to keep everything really lighthearted, really fun. But uh, with my thesis last year, which is really important to me, it was something that I'd been groomed for for about two years. And in the research group that I was a part of at uni, we did really, really rare, really expensive, really high tech data collection for this study that I've been groomed for and all the data collection basically culminated to last year and I just had all these different pressures on me, big staffing bodies just looking, you know, saying, is Emma going to do this well? Will it be a well-written <laughs> thesis? Wow. Um, yeah, I'd gone to, I'd like traveled to Korea, Singapore and Vienna to like present this research. And then I thought last year, what if I actually just screw this whole thing up? And <laughs> it's just like, it's just been all, all this work and yeah. all these expectations. I'm sure um, there's a lot of people so- that can relate with that. Hundred percent, and you know, there's just always mounting pressure. But really, it's just a lot of pressure you put on yourself because you know, like I think creatives put so much pressure on themselves to perform better than I guess you know than expected that sort of thing. So yeah. that's when the fear of failure really did creep in on me. But yeah. we're all good. Yeah, that's good to hear. It's good to hear. I mean, how do you go about specifically dealing with these feelings? I mean, are there any certain 
head spaces that you try and get yourself in to overcome these. I've, it's something I've just really been interested in recently myself with really understanding how people mentally go about processing things, especially the fear of failure. Yeah, really. I just try to keep a healthy mindset and it sounds a bit cliche, but that's really for me just exercising, eating well, getting sleep. Yeah. But also I really like to listen to, you know, like you said, like a lot of podcasts, a lot of audio books about other people. Yeah. Um, about other founders and how they get through that. And I just like to listen to a lot of different stories and kind of pull out and compare, you know, little tidbits to myself or, you know, how I feel about a lot of that, that stuff. So yeah. there are a lot of podcasts now, you know, that talk about founders and their stories and um, all that stuff. So, yeah, I like to look at a lot of other founders and a lot of other successful people. I'm not calling myself successful, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I, I, think, I, like I think you are. <laughs> I like to listen to a lot of different stories and sort of extract meaning where I think it's relevant for me and just just relax, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Just just trying to find something to relate to, I suppose. I mean, I, yeah. me, me personally, I'm very good at distracting myself. So if, yeah. if, if I'm worried about something, I'm just going to, yeah, I'll be listening to a podcast or, or yeah. doing anything to get my mind off it until it happens and then I'm already there. You just got to deal yeah, with it. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So I want to ask now my favorite question of the bunch, and that is, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received? Okay, so this sounds a bit odd, but there was an Instagram account slash business, which I'm not sure if it's still around, but it was called Thoughts App. And basically, you could pay like, I think literally like $5, and you could submit a question to like, they basically had a roster of creatives and different, like, I guess, philanthropic people that could answer your questions. So I was just going through this. Yeah, it was, like, crazy. And (laughs) I was going through, like, this mega creative block, stressful uni thesis data collection, identity crisis situation, (laughs) as you do at 21. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) And there's this creative slash marketing mogul called Tremaine Emery who's Best friends with Virgil of Off-White and Louis Vuitton, and he helped Kanye um, through all of his albums. Mm. Anyway, I submitted this question, and I just absolutely vomited all my issues into this mini essay, and I was like, help me. (laughs) Um, And basically, Tremaine told me just to not feel the need to validate myself to anyone and not to feel pressured to prove myself to anyone and really, you know, just push yourself and improve on yourself for yourself. So... Long story short, I guess don't feel the need to validate yourself for anyone. Yeah, I mean, that is yeah. that is great advice. I think that that it doesn't really get much better than that. But I do yeah. know personally that at times that can be easier said than done. Has there? hundred oh, percent. Yeah, I mean, like, has this not really caring what other people think been a skill that you've had to learn over time, or is it something that you've always just sort of had? Um, I think I've in the real world, not online. I really. I was just quite a, I guess, a confident child. I was always a bit whack and really loud and talkative. Um, But I think I'm quite like an extroverted introvert. So when I'm alone, I really do feel the need to validate myself. You know, like I really want to get featured in this magazine and I guess I'll only feel accomplished when I get featured here or I'll only feel accomplished when I get to collaborate with this brand and that sort of thing. And then I just try to step back and say, you know what, you started this project and it just wasn't a big deal and it's become something and it's not your full-time job, but you can still enjoy it. So, 
yeah, I just sometimes you just need to step back and just gain a bit of perspective and say, you know what, you don't have to prove yourself because you still have so many important people around you. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think everyone has that certain desire to get featured in certain places where they want to go yeah. and, and all of that. It's always going to be a thing. So yeah. so now I'm sure there's going to be quite a few people listening who might be where you were two years ago and at university or yeah. really starting out from the beginning. And they're probably going to want to know certain things. So I'm going to ask a few questions for them. So yes. What are three tips or pieces of advice that you would give passionate artists and creatives starting out today? So number one, I would say try to be as authentically you as possible, which I know sounds really cliche and, you know, your parents tell you to be yourself and everyone will love you. But I think really if you're just yourself online and you're not trying to be someone else, it really will create a very genuine and authentic following And yeah, like I said, it's really hard today to get notice online because there's so many creatives online. Everyone's using Instagram in particular as a bit of an online portfolio, me, myself included. Um, But yeah, I think if you're just going to be yourself online and channel that uniqueness through your work and create your own style, what I earlier sort of mentioned is it is hard to develop your own style and it'll definitely take time and I think your followers see that growth over time. I've had followers that have been following me that I don't know since 2016 and they still <laughs> follow me. And I, it, sounds so, like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds silly, but people do see you grow and they see, you know, how much your style or your work has refined. And yeah, I think just be yourself and just work at it and be patient. So, Number two, I would say use Instagram for sure as a digital portfolio. I think so many magazines do that now because print is lagging a little bit. So, yeah. And, you know, so many artists get picked up online. Um, Alessandro Michelle of Gucci picks up a lot of his creative collaborations through finding creatives through Instagram. Yeah, um, wow. Yeah, so I think you really just – you do need to be fun strategic. Like I said earlier, you need to make sure that your style is consistent but still experimental and you need to be posting when you know engagement will be high, which mm. does sound a little bit analytic driven, but you really just, you do need to be smart about it at the end of the day to get noticed. Yeah. 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 Um, and then also lastly, which uh, I get so many young people messaging me, which I completely understand for their school exams or just trying to find out more about my work. And like I said, there's so many links now, like on my website, there's so many links. Everyone has so many links, but I would say educate yourself. You you really need to do your research. I just don't think you should go and, you know, message someone, email someone and hound them for info if it's already out there. Yeah, yeah, Um, exactly. You know, like there's so much information online. I'm sure people have done Q&As online and you can always find the answers generally more more times than not. Um, So, yeah, I would say do your research and learn as much as you can about other creatives and other styles and different programs. But, yeah, really just learn outside your own creative bubble. Like I like to read a lot about, um, I guess, old photography and a lot of like Mm. American and American different cultures and different cultural landscapes. So I think it's really healthy to learn outside that own little bubble of yourself. How would you suggest creatives go about finding paid work in the early days? I think like we, we both mentioned earlier, I think sending cold emails at the end of the day, it's it's not, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea, but I think it is really important and it's mm. how 
a lot of my projects have come about actually. So I think you should introduce yourself and explain, you know, what your style is, have images below. I wouldn't provide links because people don't have time to really click through links. I would have like your work just immediately below and make sure that you can serve a purpose for a brand because if you can't serve a purpose, you're really just wasting their time. Yeah. I would say in the early days, um, paid work is quite hard, you know, when I understand if you have a portfolio, but in the early days, even just saying, let's do a small collab, I would say I can do this for your content. When I post content like this, engagement's generally higher. You have this following, which means your engagement for this post will be this much. So I basically mm. state the facts about, you know, the purpose I could serve by doing a digital edit for them. And then like nine times out of 10, I would do that for free. And then later on, we build a stronger relationship and that would lead to bigger paid projects. Yeah. So, yeah, I would really just say explain yourself and don't waffle for too long because people don't have time for that, but yeah. really explain how you can serve a purpose. Um, yeah. Yeah, so do you do you mainly go about doing this through a pitch deck of sorts or is there a certain template or certain questions that you try and ask these people or show these people that you can do? I guess it is a form of a pitch deck, really. I just... A lot of the times I do like to try, I guess, tailor it to the brand that I'm, you know, trying to work with or that sort mm. of thing. But I would explain certain examples of similar brands that I've done before yep. or it takes a bit of time, but I would just definitely mock up designs and say, this is what I can do if you want it done. I think we should work together, that sort of thing. Yeah, I think, you know, you really you really do have to fight for yourself, which is quite daunting. Um, but at the end of the day, it's better to have tried. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think I think it's definitely best to, at the end of the day, say that you tried rather than just sitting there and waiting for someone to find you because, like we've said before, it's it's definitely quite a saturated market out there. So I think, yeah, being as active as possible is the best way for sure. So I, I love that yeah. answer. Yeah, no, um, I completely agree. It is, it's just so saturated and a lot of brands that I had emailed that have been successful in working together with have, you know, thought, oh, I, we've just, we didn't even think of this and it's such a good idea. So, yeah, a lot of brands, it's not that they don't want to work with you sometimes. It's just sometimes, you know, they're so busy that they just haven't even thought of it. So I think that's why sending these cold emails and pitching your ideas is, is really important. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like we should sort of be wrapping this up now. So I'd like to take this moment to let the audience know that you'll be able to find some of Emma's work as well as links to things that we've spoken about today over at pitchedindustries.com. But are there any places you'd like the audience to go to find out more about your work and maybe what you've got up to in the future? Uh, You can probably just go straight to my Instagram, which is at the line underscore. And if you just click through the link in bio, it can usually take you to a million other links. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I guess if you want to learn more, you could probably DM me, but I would say please do your research first. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So thanks so much, Emma, for coming on and taking the time to talk with me today. I really do appreciate it. And, yeah, thank you so much. It's been awesome. No worries. Thank you for having me. So that's just about it for today, guys. Thank you so much, like always, for listening, and I hope that you were able to take a few things from me and Emma's conversation today. 
If you haven't already, could you please subscribe to this podcast and head over to Pitched Industries on Instagram to keep in the loop with any articles that I'll be posting as well as a heap of other stuff that I'm sure you guys will be interested in. Also, don't forget to head over to pitchedindustries.com forward slash photo comp to submit a few entries to the 2019 Pitched Industries photo comp. And again, all of the information regarding that photo comp can be found on the website. So head over there and uh, yeah, until next week, guys, I hope that you guys have a great week and I'm looking forward to chatting with you next time. Cheers.